And we're live on Facebook. All right, so let me do this new intro, and then we'll get going, and then some people will join. Sounds good. Today is June 1st, 2020, and my name is Jeffrey Cobelli. These are the only two things I know for certain. The rest of life is simply complicated. And here to discuss how simply complicated comedy is, is Frank Favia, who I'm honored to share time and space with. So welcome to Simply Complicated, Frank Favia. Thanks, man. Very serious intro Very for, serious. A comedy, for a comedy thing. I like it, though. Sincere. Yeah, this one is strictly all about comedy. This would be a great, um, I think, thing to listen to if you were a new... Uh, comic if you thought you're like are you if this is especially good for if you're that f if like because you had it happen to you people are like you should do stand-up because you're funny in the living room right or you tell stories right right so yeah. there's a lot of people that hear that i know there's a lot of people out there that think they're funny some of them aren't but some mm. of them like you hear it some of them are yeah so this is great for somebody who might um have an inkling to think they want to do comedy don't know how to get started um but that's what today's all about so. yeah man yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, kind of learn how to take the uh, like the raw materials, so to speak, and then take it, you know, to the stage and all like the work that goes in. So happy to talk about that. Yeah, you're really good um, in one way because there's different paths, obviously, to get anywhere. You know, some people just get discovered. There's mm -hmm. clubs. There's online, especially now with online. Like you, yeah. you could get discovered online. Does it happen yeah. often? I don't know, but I think you're a really good person to who has um, who's gone from starting what twenty five. Is that when you think you first actually... Oh, no, I was uh, I was 29, so I'm eight years in, so yeah, I'm 37 now, so... And how long... So so real quick, so just background stuff, I'm going to try to... Um, I remember you, I, so I have a, a unique advantage with you in that I've known you for like 30 years. Yeah. Um, you definitely always were funny in high school, like always, you know, cracking jokes, but I can even remember you um, really being into uh, like Jerky Boys albums, like stuff yeah. like prank calls, mm -hmm. like you made prank calls. So you were like kind of doing, but you were performing yeah. before, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so you had that in you, I think. I, I just think it was always fun for me to like, because obviously my, my number one thing is to make people laugh. But also number two, I love like confusing people. So that was what's great about about like prank calls. Like no one's expecting that, you know. Obviously influenced by the Jerky Boys, you know. But just like calling people and just like you know ridiculous stuff, you know, at a party with a couple of friends. And I, I used to love doing that stuff. But you um, were also very good at it. Like if if there was a room full of people, like not that you did it all the time because it's pressure. Right. But like right. if me, you, Chris, like some people were in a room, like you were obviously the one that was on the phone. Nobody else was. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it was kind of, uh, I was like the designated, and I feel like it was like, uh, you know, like something at a party. If a guy could like funnel a beer, it was like, Frank, do a prank call. I was like, oh. <laughs> now? Like, I don't know. I want to relax. Like, you know. Let um, me ask you like a personal question. Yeah. So, because you just said like you really, like your goal a lot of times is just to make people laugh. Why is, why would that even be important to you? To make people laugh? I think like my whole, um, like approach with people is always to like make people feel comfortable, make them, you know, I just like people making them laugh, making them feel good. I wonder you know? why that is though. Like, why do you, not everybody does that. You know what I'm saying? I think saying? it's part like something I just, it's like an innate quality. I just like enjoy it. I just like making people, but also I think it's like in a way like acceptance, like, you know, you just want people to, to like you. So it's like, Oh, let me make them laugh. You know, that'll work. And then from there it kind of grows into like just something that you enjoy. Um, just to like kind of build relationships too with people. Because I would even say growing up, because I come from a family of, um, I don't want to say clowns, because that almost is, is demoralizing. But you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Of like, course. you know, wise guys. Like characters. Characters. Yeah. And I can remember specifically my Uncle Tommy, it's like, like just the charisma, like he was the family clown. 
Like, it's just the way people approached him, you know, younger cousins, nephews, and stuff like that. Like, he was the life of the party. That was like, not that I'm jealous, but I'm like, damn. Like, even as, like, you're looking at him, even as a kid, you're like, that's kind of, that's kind of talented. He could do that and keep that going. Yeah. So that, I'm only asking because, like, that's what I saw. Like, I would see my family, like, I would watch men and, and my family make jokes. Right. And, and see the reaction, I'm like, I want to do that to people too. But I saw it somewhere first. That's why I was asking you if you had anything yeah. like... I, I mean, I would even... I feel like I was never... I wasn't like life of the party. I would be like to the side life of the party maybe. I never really wanted like the big group. I think it could be a little bit shy, but I have like... Uncles. That's because you were talking shit about people. Well, maybe that's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right, yeah. It's not all this nice guy thing. Um, but no, I feel like I've had people in my family. I'm like, my uncle, I'm like, this guy is like a character. Like, you just show up and just, like, take over. And, you know, I would sit back and enjoy, you know. It was, it was fun to watch, but. So now in your 20s, so you, after you graduate from college, because you have a degree in marketing, you're even yeah. thinking about going to school for teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in the middle of that. You're getting teaching gigs. And then yeah. you're like, hey, I still want to do, I have this itch I want to scratch. It, and it was something. How does that even happen? Like, were you writing at some point? Like, what even? Yeah, it, it's funny, because I remember, I, I would, I guess, like, the earliest I could remember was getting, like, I always remember, like, um, you know, when you were younger, you would get, like, Playboy magazines or something. I, I would get, like, stand-up tapes. I got, like, Eddie Murphy Raw, Delirious. I was, like, maybe, I don't know, 14. You're talking about cassette tapes, like audio. Um, no, um, or D- v- VHS. Uh, VHS. Yeah, VHS from uh, Video Box Office. Remember them? <laughs> I used to get Hollywood Video. Hollywood Video. That was the other one. Um, so I would, like, watch those, and I just, something just drew me to it. I just thought it was great. And I, I, one thing I, you know, I regret, I'm obviously glad I did stand-up at one point, but I wanted to do it earlier, but I just needed to like grow the courage. So I feel like I had this plan for years. So did you also not know how to get started? Was some of it like, what do I even do? Like, I want to do. That, what do I even do? That was that was part of it. Yeah, that was the, more fear, but also like, what's step one? You know, especially like, if you're not in a major city. Right. You're in a suburb, so it's like, where do I go to a club up in Westchester, New York? Exactly. You know? And what do you do? Do you walk in? Do you? Um, so what ended up happening was, um, well, what was your question earlier? I don't want to skip over. You said something about like starting out, like when I was young, like did I know I wanted to do it? Yeah, just the, just the why did you like to make people laugh? Like why was that important for you? Because you're um, good at it and you do it often. Yeah, it was just fun, but it's also like my. I feel like I'm like you know a bit of a people pleaser. Like I want people to feel good, and I just like making people laugh. It was something I enjoy, and it's even like even when it's not me though. Like even if I have like a funny clip or, or from a movie to show somebody, like I even if I've seen a hundred times, like I enjoy watching it with them, like and see them enjoy it. You You've know? always been the guy that remembered the line from a movie. I know. You just always remember. Oh, I can't even remember the plots of movies. You know, like the the word for word. Yeah, it's amazing. Always been able to do that. I just have good memory, which which really helps me too. Just remember jokes and stuff. But um, all right, so let's say you've been writing now. You get some. You say, you know what? I need to do some. Who do you even call first to be like? I want to do stand up. <laughs> I know that. You that's Google. So, so yeah, that's basically what I did because it, it basically let's just figure it was ten years of me talking a bunch of trash how i'm gonna do it my friend's like you're not gonna do it (laughs) you know what i mean like i was saying this forever and then when i finally got serious about i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do it um i forget how but i found a website it was called badslava.com i'm not they're still active wow yeah i remember that they might still be and it just had open mics you know city westchester most of them in the city and i think i just pick one that like you know seemed like a good time good day like location and i just um went and did it and i believe you were there <laughs> oh was that the one that i went I to that was in times square that was yeah yeah that was uh it didn't even look like a club they just found like an empty room yeah i don't even remember what the heck it was it was um that was the one that you videoed right that, that, yeah that, that, yes that's right 
So funny story about that. So my first open mic ever, um, I mean, it went, you know, it went, it was not good. I was just so excited for you to do it. And I'm also thinking like, hey, I might want to do stand up in my life. Um, Let me just watch what this guy does. Right, right, right. Let me, let me let him kind of work out some of the kinks, right? Yeah, no, it's not a bad plan. Um, So I think the first time was um, I got a nosebleed right before. Was it the first show or the first open mic? I think, yeah. So I think it was the, that was... Because you had done an open mic. You had done something before that. And then I saw you do your first open mic. You had something before that, I thought. Or was that the first one? That was my... No, that was my oh, first Gerber's one. Gerber's watching. What's up, Gerber? Oh, nice. What's up, Gerber? That was, yeah, that, no, that was my first one um, ever, I believe. And I was so nervous beforehand. I got a nosebleed for like a half hour in the bathroom. I was just like, oh, this is a disaster. Do you remember the first jokes that you did? Do you even know what they were? I know one, I remember... And it was so bad. It was something about five-hour energy. And I always thought, like, they would always promote it. And it was just, like, hours of energy now, but you die later. And I just thought it was so funny. It was so stupid. <laughs> like, not to look back. I'm like, what was that? I didn't. But that's the thing. So I didn't know what to do. So I did a few of these open mics in the city. And, you know, I would meet a few people. Comics at those open mics, When I, my experience, when I first started, weren't really the most, weren't too warm. You know, they kind of would just, like, do their own thing. And that was it. Um so I was kind of floating around for a couple of months and didn't really know what to do. And then I got hooked up with um, with the comic strip, with D.F. Sweedler, mm-hmm. who that's that's where everything really started. Because like I remember you actually took a class with him, and that yeah. changed things for you. Yeah, Just changed. to give you a framework, just, right? Exactly. That's what I needed, a framework, like, you know, joke structure, you know, how, how to write. So I met with him for a private tutoring thing. I think we did it twice. We met for an hour and just, you know, went over jokes and... Even like, maybe I use one of the jokes I use, but I came out of that going like, oh, okay, there's got to be a premise, there's got to be a punch, you know, it's got to be tight, you know, so that's where I learned, um, like, you know, really how to do, how to do the, uh, you know, like the art of comedy, like how to do the writing. The writing was, was what I was obviously lacking. I let's feel, let's get know. off on that. Sorry, did you have yeah, something yeah. else? No, I was, I was just going to say the performance, I feel like, and timing, I feel like came more natural than the writing to me. You know, like I feel like I had like a natural delivery and, and like stage presence, but the, the writing needed the most work. So, so I want to talk. I just want to get yeah, on yeah. a little sidebar about DF for a while because. Yeah. Um, Love Sweetler. I know, um, uh, you know, he's basic. Is, would you say, what was, does he run the comic strip? Well, he manages the, um, like the uh, new talent show on Saturdays, the open mic, and he performs as well. Like he whole perform there on uh, you know a few nights a week himself like on the on the pro show so because this is what i would say because i'm doing this myself um i'm not like just trying to just give somebody a plug but especially with what's going on now and not being yeah. able to even have a comedy show not being yeah. able to get in front of people um i would um like i'm excited about scheduling some time with df yeah and happily paying him because df um you know, he has a strong background, especially in writing for comedy. Yeah. So if there's a situation that's best to like, hey, I just want to run, even if it's a premise, it's not like you need to have a full joke. No. You could just talk about your life, I think, with him, mm-hmm. and I th- he'll help you find the funny or what could be funny. Yeah. And, and what was great with him was, you know, in the beginning, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know him. We get to, you know, getting to know him. And he would give me, if he would like criticize a joke, that meant that he liked it and it was worth fixing. He'd be like, that one joke, why do you do it like that? And I'm like, you know, my first thought was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, but in his terms, that's like, no, that's a good joke, but you need to fix that. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's what he means. If he doesn't say anything, that means he's just like, you know. I think the biggest thing, once you go, in, once you're in front of somebody like DF, or even if you're at um, the open mics that we go to on those Tuesdays where it's, you know, only comedians and it's 15 right. of them, 
it's gonna like a lot of this process is awkward yeah very it's awkward. gonna feel uncomfortable the yeah. whole time and it doesn't mean that even you're not good right or that thing's not good it's just like that's yeah. what's hard about a comedy process is it's not it's not funny from day one right like if you were to rewrite your five-hour energy even even now just saying you know what i just want to see because now you have almost 10 years under your belt yeah you could probably write that joke and somehow find the funny that you were trying to find that you couldn't yeah. find 10 years ago yeah yeah, make it a little bit better. And it's funny because there's things I've gone back in my notes sometimes when I'm looking for new material. I'm like, let me look at some old, old stuff because the ideas could have been good, but maybe the writing just was crap, you know? Because we even floated like the five hour energy. We were used to joke as when it first came out being like, so if we drank half, is that just like two and a half hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we, like we, we always played with that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, it was just something that was like that we saw, the like commercials or whatever it was. But yeah. So I guess talk about being in like a, a startup comic when you go in, um, I'm just, I'm sort of sticking on DF, but yeah, like yeah. Um, when you have something that, that you think might be funny, what would be the thing that he helps out with the most? I think he really just structuring the joke, number one. And then also like he was, he's just really, really good at like finding out, like I, sometimes my joke was like kind of all over the place. He's like, what's the point? Like, what are you, tr like almost like if you're writing a paper, like what are you trying to do here? Like, he ah. likes short. Like, yeah. yeah. It's he shorter. likes condensed. Yeah. Like, and, and he would say sometimes I'd show him a joke and maybe if it's handwritten and he would be like, oh, like, why do you have that line? Like, you don't need those two lines. And now the joke is 10 seconds shorter, you know, and it, and it makes all the world of a difference. So he, he was so helpful with that. Just with giving you the framework, the outline, you know, just all the all the writing techniques. So. All right. So now, because um, I know a story, I don't know if we're going to get to it yet. But yeah. like, you know, the other thing is um, when you were first starting out, even even for me, it's like I was producing my own comedy shows because I wasn't going to go into the city and wait to get on a spot. Right. You were finding stuff like randomly, like yeah. we were upstate in Poughkeepsie and like yeah. a hotel. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, you yeah, just yeah. take different gigs like that. You could be yep. in the back room of a restaurant. Oh, yeah. You know, that was one of the first shows as well. Bar shows. Yeah. Bar shows, I think, were the hardest. And in the beginning, gave you the most chops because, I mean, you could have great jokes and it doesn't matter. The guys are watching the Giants game. <laughs> you know, you're trying to compete yeah. and it's like the TVs aren't off. But I remember early, like we created a show. Uh, um, uh, meaning that it was the Somers 202 on 118 yeah. in Yorktown. Yep. <laughs> that thing. So like they weren't doing comedy shows there. No. And I think you knew or your dad I, knew somebody. It, or was, some it was my my um, uncle's friend owned the place. So we actually presented that idea to like, let's yeah. have a comedy show. Let's do. And then that was early. That was in your first. That was my, I was five, I, 10. Uh, no, I mean, I was a year in at that point. Oh, you were? It was a yeah. year in. When I look back, I'm like, I had no business on some of those shows. Because like, we had like some features and headliners coming in. Got the headliner pros. was great that night. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't remember. His... Oh, oh, one of them was Bob DeBono. It was great. Bob DeBono, that's great. Yes. It was another guy, too. I think it was Johnny Lampert. Really funny. Oh, I don't remember. And, I just remember Ivorone on there, too. And I, Well, Ivorone was on... You had two there. Yeah, we did. That's right. And then Ivorone was on there, I think, after Bob. Or maybe he was on with Bob. And that me and that's when me and John Ivorone became friends. Like we kind of like because he kind of looked at he's like, oh, this is a new guy. He came up. Um, Ivorone actually put me in touch with the uh, comic strip. I just remembered that cool. connection. I'm like, geez, yeah. So he pointed me in the right direction. I appreciate that. So John helped me out a lot with that. And uh, I remember watching like John and Bob and all these guys, and I'm like, these guys are good, man. They're comfortable. They're not, you know, they're not going too fast. Their pacing is slow. So for anybody yeah. who wants to be a comedian, I mean, this is a shortcut. Like, I, I would say your shortcut to get started is to reach out to somebody like DF. Mm -hmm. and to, but look what you had to do. 
Yeah. You had to like run into the city, yeah. do an open mic, meet somebody, put on a show, meet somebody else, and then meet a comedian who's actually worth his salt to be like, hey, right. talk to DF. He can help you out. Yeah, yeah. That was cool because John was like, all right. He's like, you know, this guy's got something. He's funny. He's a nice guy. So he, you know, he put me in the right direction. Um, but yeah, if you're starting out, that's, that's the first thing I would suggest. Go to an open mic. Like I would recommend the comic strip. Um, I'm a little biased, but... Just to go get around comics, talk to people, exchange emails, whatever, and then just start out that way. Because on your own, it's you're going to feel like a lone wolf out there. You know? You're not going to feel like... I felt like I belonged to something at the comic strip. And then once I started doing um, DF shows, the Saturday shows at 5, you know, there was real audiences and you got a good gauge in your material. And that's how you'd be like, oh, okay, so now I could just build. Instead of just doing open mics, I have live audiences. Yeah. You don't want audiences of comedians all the time. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, they're, they're thinking about their stuff. I don't blame them. They're also know? so honest. And they're so honest, too. And um, they know what you're trying to do. Like, you got to, um, you know, you're not going to get away with anything. Yeah. But I would even say, like, you know, just piggybacking on that, like, you don't need to. I got a question from a, a friend of mine, sure. uh, Michael Barsky. He yeah. watches every one of these. And That's I, awesome. I got it. He won't come on, though. Thanks, Mike. Um, he, uh, let me just ask him his question because I forgot where I was going. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's calling you Frankie, like he knows you. That's right. Frankie. <laughs> All right. Well, he must. My dad's Frank. I'm Frankie, so he is correct. I'm asking this because it's a good question, and I know it's something uh, that you've probably experienced before. And I'm, I'm actually curious to hear how you handle it but um what do you do when someone approaches you i'm sure they have found out you're a comedian and they're like oh you're a comedian tell me a joke um usually so i got this from a very funny comic joe devito he gave this to me as like a stock thing because we were complaining about this one day and he just goes uh yeah he's like you just got to buy a ticket and a two drink minimum i'm gonna be a joke <laughs> that was great i was like that's perfect i don't do it because it doesn't work off stage you know it's like come to a show like just talk. You also me. don't do that to any profession. Like you don't walk up to a pilot and go, "Go fly that plane over <laughs> right, there." Right. Like, it's the only no, thing you just do believe him that he's a pilot. Right. Even with music or art, you wouldn't be like, "Yo, paint the sailboat, bro." Come on. <laughs> like it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I try to shy away from that. Um, but it, it happens a lot, and every comedian will tell you. And it's just like, it, and it, what I don't like about it is that sometimes be like, "Oh, you know, you should be on the spot." Nah, I know, but uh, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> do you have time for a premise you know a punch like it's so ridiculous so i just avoid it like saying something silly like that so you could tell him like that yeah two drink minimum <laughs> one of your um parish is watching brian parish nice. brian parish you want to know what he said hell of a fastball all you got he still remembers <laughs> that's that. great oh that's great oh that's great uh, uh parish you got to watch the one that i just did on wednesday i interviewed the um manager of team israel baseball who oh, they man. just made the Olympics. That. that is it was that was so cool to like relive that with him he was on the was it the monofure commercial on, on the s network yeah he's the monofure guy monofure. Uh, i remember i recognize him immediately i didn't bring this up with eric but it was so funny because i was like you know i research everybody except you because i've known like if i find something about you online i'm gonna be so mad because i've known you for 30 years right right um, Eric, I've known for like five years, but I don't know everything about him. And I was just, it just, <laughs> I don't know. It was just. Uh, Finding out some stuff about him? Yeah. And then I just, there was a petition going around. I was almost afraid to like bring this up, but there was, I think it was almost like a, you can make a petition to start anything. Right. So somebody started a petition to remove the Montefiore commercial. Because if you watch the Yankee game, you would see that commercial a dozen times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would see it so much. That's why I recognize them, yeah. But the reason why they show commercials a lot is because they're <laughs> right yeah that's why. exactly that's why they were yeah. whatever whatever the reason was it was working i want to give a quick shout out to parish i remember facing him in like you a batting, parish in like a batting practice or something so afraid. I, would, and, I don't want to face a five seven kid throwing 95 <laughs> it looked it, I, it looked like he was throwing like a white advil at me <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't even see it i was like jesus 
<laughs> I was like, all right, I'm glad he's on my team. <laughs> no, Parrish was one of those guys where you didn't see the ball, you just heard it. No, it was, yeah, man, some country hardball. Um, I, I was going to um, bring up something. We could get to it later, but I remember what I you know where we're at. You can, you can sidebar right now. I can come back. I know where it, we want to go. It was um, something you said to me after... Is this a baseball story? No, no, no. This oh, is back okay. to comedy. Oh, this Sorry. is comedy. Sorry, Sorry. Yeah, Parrish, yeah. we're done. Back, back, keep watching. Back. Sorry, man. <laughs> um, it, it was after like my probably third show um, in Connecticut, and you had come. Yes, that's the one. That's what I wanted to talk about. Oh, are we ready? Yeah, yeah. No, this is. Yeah, I was ready for this. So it was like my third show, and I, you know, the guy said, "Ah, you know, we get big crowds," and I'm like, "All right, whatever." And I walk in, and it was like, was that, uh, "That's not bananas." No, that was. Um, it was. Uh, I'll remember the name of the. Con- it was in Stratford, Connecticut, and it was. Um, give me f- three seconds. I'll remember it. It's a comedy club. I thought and- it started with a B. Oh, it's gonna bother me. So this is what's so interesting. While well, Frank tries to remember that name, I just want to set up this place. So like, you might think like, oh, I, you know, I have a comedy show, and you might think like, comedian. I don't know what people think of what com- comedians experience or where they get booked. But this person said that this was a comedy club, which technically it was, but yeah. it was in like a banquet yeah. room of the hotel. And mm-hmm. when you walk in, like you would go to the hotel, and not there's not like a sign up that yeah. says this tonight. No. It was just kind of like a facade. They just use a room for the night, put on a comedy show. It's a great idea. Yeah. But when you're first into it, you're like, this is it? Yeah. This is like a little sketchy. It feels, yeah. I'm not sure. Am I getting paid for this? It, like, it, it was. Who it, do I check in with? It, it was one of those weeks. There's no had, mic check. Like, you know, it's just nothing. stuff. I just want to set some of like the scenario up. The guy's name is Brad Axelrod, Treehouse Comedy. That's what it is. So it's a comedy. Sometimes not a comedy club. It's just in like, it'll be like a room that they, you know, that they use for their shows. But I don't know if you remember this. There was like a bar on the other side. Yeah. So you could kind of hear. Like the lobby. It was almost like, when you first walked in. Yeah. You could hear like whatever talking. And I know you, you'll call me out on this. You remember. Like I was nervous as hell, but I think I was like, I was like drinking more and I was with like a new girlfriend and I was like so loose and it was just not good. Well, here's what it was sort of like. Um, <laughs> this is because I saw it. I, I saw it before the show. It was, I know that you just had a good performance the previous show or the show before. Like, you just had a solid set. Like, you were feeling good about yourself. Yeah. So. And then you walk into this one, and it was sort of like, um, <laughs> I just, you just see, a, you were just too, you you, ha- you thought you had it, I think. Yeah. What, and it was weird because. Like a false sense of confidence from somewhere, right? Yeah. Which I'm is, not trying and, to talk bad about you. I'm just, no, that's 100% what was happening. But I wasn't, <laughs> com- it was weird because I wasn't fully confident. I wasn't like, I got this. I was nervous, but I was like, oh, you know, the last one was all right. So, you know, but this was another animal. <laughs> but you had, you were like wedged in between because it was amateur night. So I think yeah. they had two professional comedians and yeah. then they were wedged in between like putting in amateurs. Yep, exactly. And then this is where the story gets fun. So for I, I think, yeah, I had to bring, this, this was a turning point, so it was good. So I think you had to bring eight people. So I brought eight of you guys, and I, I, I'm really sorry that you guys had to see that. <laughs> no, I am so glad I was there. <laughs> so, I, so I'm about to go I up. I didn't pay enough that night, Frank. Oh, my God. I, I would have paid more. So I'm about to go up, and uh, they're like, oh, there's actually there's one more guy before you. And the guy who goes up is a paraplegic. Uh, he's in a wheelchair. He's wheeled up onto the stage. And the, he probably had like, a, I would say like a 15 minute set. And the first half of his set, he did like all paraplegic jokes. So let me just say like amateurs kind of did, they held their own. The professional comics were good. Like the room was in a good mood. And right. now you see 
and I have to almost put a disclaimer, like in no way are we making fun of paraplegic, but oh, yeah. the mood of the room, once you see you see a wheelchair being yeah. motorized up to the front, God. the mood of the room changed. So now it dropped. Right. But he started out so strong. Oh, His first couple of jokes so funny. killed. So funny. The room was like, they, he. It was, what he did was just smart as a comedian, even, even in his situation, was he was self-deprecating. Right. And everybody was thinking that. He touched on it, and now, now he was on their side. Yeah. But then his set was what? 30 minutes no i think was it was it, like it was like 15 20 maybe it i guess it felt long because he it, kept on doing those jokes and then by the end of his set yeah everybody was uncomfortable again it got like you felt bad for him so sorry i just wanted to set that no, up it was like a roller coaster ride no, in the mood of the room it was up it was great for you and then he and comes out it was down then he brought it back up but by the time he left it was down. i remember so i remember <laughs> thinking like wait he's crushing like is this good for me or bad for me i'm like well maybe it's good because the audience is in a good mood and then i remember when like he started to do poorly I was like, oh, this is bad. I don't have the tools to so it's get your, out of this. It's your third show ever right. in front of, there was, was 100 people. 100 plus, yeah. And you are now experiencing something you never have before, never. and you got to go out there with like. I felt like I was uh, visiting at Lambo. <laughs> I, I was like at Lambo in, a, in the winter in a tank top <laughs> with a bruised arm. It was like the worst case scenario, trying to beat Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh man, it, yeah. So it, I was just bombing. Just it was like something about comedy. And, and I just want to remind everybody, your new girlfriend was there, and my new girlfriend was there, who stayed with me weirdly after this bomb. Um, so it was like I remember, like strike one, the first joke doesn't work. Strike two, and now you're just like, oh no. Like I started, so I actually have a uh, a gland of sweat that'll come down when I'm bombing. To this day, it'll happen. It just comes right down, <laughs> and I just watch it, and I'm just like. Ah. So, so I just jumped out my nose. It was so bad. And uh, it was just fourth joke doesn't work. Fifth joke. And I'm just struggling. And I'm just like, wow. Like, this was like a wake-up call. And I remember the one of the few laughs. Did you I, have to do seven minutes? Do you remember what Seven it was? minutes it was. It felt like I was up there for two and a half weeks. But honestly, that's what it felt like. It felt like I was up there most of my life. That's what it felt like. I was just like, oh, my God. This is so bad. And I remember, like, you guys were... Uh, like stage left, I think you guys were like kind of right in the front, right, right by the door, right by yeah, right by so you guys could leave, <laughs> right by the door. So I remember, um, like just it just wasn't going, well. I wasn't getting any laughs, and I got the one laugh I got was because it was dead silent, and I just hear like people in the bar having fun, and I'm like, you know, a comedy show's not going well for you when uh, you could hear people from another place having more fun, and like I got a laugh, and I was like, well, that felt good, and it was like back to bombing, got off stage, and I remember like you know. Chris comes up to me. I think George was there. Everybody's like, yo, man, you know, it takes, this is how I know I suck. It takes a lot of courage just to get up there. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's, that's how bad it was, huh? You're, you're complimenting my courage. <laughs> I was like, you know, but I'll never forget what you said to me. You just pulled me aside and you're like, what were you doing up there? <laughs> but it wasn't like, I didn't take it the wrong way. Like it was like your tone was like you're a funny guy. Like what the hell happened? That's like, what it was. Yeah, yeah that's what I, it was. I didn't take any offense. So whatever happened, ended up driving home with uh, my girlfriend at the time. And I remember her being like, you know, being trying to be supportive. Like, oh, you know, it was not bad. And in my head, I'm like, it was terrible. Like, what are you talking about? So after that day, it was a wake up call because I was like, okay, I'm not ready yet. You know, um, I should also preface that this was this was before any of the comic strip five o'clock shows. Gotcha. So yeah. that's, so from there, you were still like, wheeling on your own. Basically. Yeah. I was doing on my own. And then I think I started going to the mics doing the writing. Which groups, is amazing. Meeting. You even got that far to get up to seven minutes, just strictly on your own. It's still. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it is right. Just to kind of come up with ideas, but you know, they're all just like loose ideas. But then after that, I got like serious throughout all those jokes and, and kind of started from scratch. So, um, that was a good wake up call. I like, was going to say, was that probably the worst experience 
See, it's weird because it turns out to be some of the most helpful experience. Some of the most helpful. That one stands out because it almost looked like, it almost seemed like that was a movie of like a bad thing. Like you couldn't have drew it up any worse. It was perfect. It was perfectly horrible. <laughs> perfectly horrible. I was intimidated by the amount of people. I remember that being like, oh my God, like I've done mics with 10 people, you know, this is 100, 120. So. Well, because I think, you know, when you go up, first of all, the things that I worry about before I go up on stage is I always forget everything I'm about to say right yeah, before it happens. You always tell me that. That's terrifying. And then once I grab the mic, everything comes back. It's kind of weird. The other thing I, I lightly worry about is just that, that guy. What do you like a heckler? In the audience, or, yeah. yeah. Just whether he's a heckler, just that guy who's like not paying attention. He's mm -hmm. on his phone. He's yeah. like talking to the person next to them. That, yeah. Um, never would I worry about following an act like you did. I just, you know, that's like right, you're right. You, as that's, prepared as you can ever be. Like mm -hmm. that's that's a one time thing. That's, yeah. No, that I mean that was one of those good fails because I was like, okay, next time I'm going over my set three times before i'm not doing any of those jokes so so then sort good. of fast forward the rest of it sure. because not that it like takes off in that sense but right. but at some point so you you do some open mics you're writing on your own then you find a class you take that mm -hmm. and it sort of allows you to feel more confident at least in your writing which then transfers onto stage and now you're just doing more shows like what happens yeah. now like you have some material mm -hmm. you feel confident in spreading are you just talking to other comics and yeah. they put you on a show and that that is um you yeah. must networking like yeah. you're just in a circuit 100 percent. that's it that's exactly like what ended up happening you know you go to the comic strip you get you know df would tell you how to write the jokes then you do his saturday show you're gauging on a real audience then you meet other comics Mark, Eric, Ron, Sasha, Jason, Scott, you know, all these guys. And now it's like, oh, okay, I got a little, like, crew. Hey, oh, that one joke was funny that you did about so-and-so. And then you kind of had an idea of, like, oh, okay, so maybe I'll stick with that. And and then eventually um, those guys would have, like, um, like open mics of their own, too. Like, they'd be like, oh, four of us are going to get together and just talk jokes. And that, you know, that was a little years later, maybe two years in. But that was the most helpful thing I could have done, you know. So... That must be so. It's interesting. So then, so what kind of shows are you doing now? Then, um, what would you say? I mean, before this happened, like, because you were, I mean, you were busy even at one point. It felt like you were in AC a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was. I thought you meant like what shows during the quarantine. I'm like, oh, pacing in my kitchen and uh, <laughs> running jokes by myself. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. We've been doing some like Zoom calls, not as much as I'd, I'd like to, but even that just kind of helps get the juices flowing. Like just talking to a buddy. If it's you know three four guys talking to you, like just get it going. Um, Right before, uh, yeah, there was some momentum happening, man. I was starting to get more work. I was starting to be, um, you know, get some um, feature work, which is, you know, like before the headliner, if, you know, if people don't know, they're listening. So that's a nice spot. You know, you get about 20, 25 minutes. And um, uh, I was, you know, at AC, um, Fairfield Comedy Club, um, Philly Comedy Club. And um, yeah, it, it was starting to go well. And then Let me go back and then we'll, we'll, I'll yeah. catch up real quick. I just, it's just a quick thing. So sure. when, you, when you're first starting, in the, you're in that like amateur world, are you just thinking, or most of the, the thought was you need seven minutes to go someplace? Like in the beginning. Yeah. Because you're only going to be a guest most of the time. So you need seven, five? Even? Yeah. I, I always wanted to have 10 just so I would knew I would be good wherever. Because think about it. If you're starting out new and someone's and like, oh, I'm doing seven. Like, oh, no, you're doing 10. That's a... That's a big deal. So just, yeah, because I want to break this down. This is, again, for anybody who's thinking about doing comedy, especially when, when, when things loosen up again, is a, a typical comedy show, not, not the ones in the city where there's, right. where there's a, like, maybe there could be 20 comics who are doing five minutes each. But your typically typical comedy show, at least the ones we produce, but it seems yeah. like we try to copy four or five comics yeah. tops. tops. It's an yeah. hour and a half, two hours. The most two hours is still on the, on the longer end for a show. 
But what's going to happen is the first guy up is usually the guest. And that's what I'm saying. Like when you're first starting out, you're going to get a guest spot. Oh, you're yeah. not going to be the headliner. Oh, you're, no. you're not, yeah, yeah. you know, you you're not going to be up. the feature. Sure. Um, guest. So I would say for you to even get on a guest spot, you better have at least five minutes. That's probably the shortest end of like the, the shortest amount somebody would book you on a show for yeah. up to 10 minutes for, I think that's long for a that's guest spot. That's long for a guest spot. I feel like seven's the number. Seven, seven yeah. seems to be the number. It's a nice number. Um, so then you're kind of working up, right? So you're on guest and then it's like, it's almost like a self-promotion every time. It's like, okay, this, this show I'm featuring on and now right. you always want to feature on a show, right? Yeah. And a yeah. feature might have to do 15 minutes. Yeah, anywhere from 15 to 25, you know. And then your next promotion is your headlining. Yeah, that's, you know. And that means um, you're the... Yeah, you're the last guy on the You're the, the gabagol. You're the gabagol. <laughs> for non-Italians, that's uh, that's the good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, no, that takes a while to get to that. For Yeah, for a while, you're just in like that guest spot. You know, it might be two years where you're just really just working on your material. But you know what it was? I, I always had, I feel like I had a good attitude about it. I was never like, when am I going to get this? <laughs> right. Yeah. I was always like, I want to get better. I want to get more time. And I just want to network and then, you know, get just get comfortable doing this. And along the way, things started to happen. Like, oh, um, we want you to host this show. And you're like, oh, great. You know, that'd be awesome. And then that's a whole other animal hosting. That is just like its own thing. The, the, the first time I hosted, I was probably like my f- second or third year. And then the guy was like, uh, DF, he was like, yeah, you, you can't do any material. And I'm like, oh, that's all I got. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Magic show? <laughs> yeah. Juggle? Like, so just like talking to the crowd. And that made me such a better comic, man, because you're just scared to do that at first. I was terrified to DV from the script, as most comics would be. But like even in that story you know? with um, the, the show in Stratford, the yeah. one laugh you got, is yeah. it was crowd work. It was, was crowd work. That was, that was out of necessity. Like I was just swinging in the corner you know but even then that's just such a nice i mean it's such a scary thing to do crowd work i'm terrified of it it's like yeah. you, you just you because you have to go like to the edge of the plank yeah and then just jump and because then. you don't know where it's gonna go a joke you know where you're going verbally i mean you know um so when I, it was actually good that i was forced to do that it's like no no you can't do jokes you have to do you know crowd work and it's just like hey and you know even if it's just hey where are you guys from you know what do you guys do and it ends up being funny Cause like some, I remember the first, first or second show I was hosting, I asked a couple where they were from, and they did like, like both looked at each other, and I came up with this line that I've used a few times. I'm like, yeah, you know when you guys get like your mail, there's like letters and numbers. <laughs> That's your address. That's where you guys live. I was like, do you guys not trust me? And then it became like, oh, okay. So like, you know, just talk to them like you would, you know, you're meeting people at a party or something. You know, once I got that mentality, the hosting helped, and that and that gives you another element when you have longer sets, and people, you know, maybe you lose the crowd. You know, you just kind of feel a lull. Maybe something's new or just doesn't work. And then you could go to the crowd, get them back, and then go back to your material. So that, that takes a while. You know, that took me maybe a year or two to get comfortable doing that. I used to call it the rollout. I'm like, all right, don't do any more jokes. Talk to them. Oh, where are you from? Uh, even if you don't care. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, you're a real estate agent. Okay. And then, oh, my, and then maybe you have a joke about real estate, whatever, you know, and you can kind of tie it you're back. You're trying to, to find, yeah, yeah, something. Um, How long did it take you? I don't know if you can remember this, to get to, like, did it take a year to get a solid 10 minutes that you just, like, loved? That I loved? Yeah, it might, it might have took... Because I know you had seven, you were probably, or 10 that you were putting out there. That, that just I was a, proud of 10? Yeah. Probably two years. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Like, if, yeah, like, if you were doing something that you didn't love, and it's like, all right, you're going to do this for two years, and then you're going to have 10 minutes, and you're like, really? But, like, you love doing it, so you don't care, but I would say two years. And I was like, okay, this is, you know... This this will work, and then you kind of have your ten minutes set, and now you're like, all right, when I have a guest spot, now I could remove three minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, now you feel like you have you don't have to throw the kitchen sink at the set. You know, so that's where you get a little more comfortable. Just just build the material, but 
Um, what helped me the most is just the cliche thing, just getting up as much as you can and doing uncomfortable shows, doing shows where no one's listening. How do like, you, um, how do you start writing? Are you walking around with a pad? Do you actually like schedule yourself to write? No, I always, what is that process like? Um, well, that's a good question. Or is I, it just like life happened and then that's what inspires it? More or less. Um, what, what I'll always do is I'll, I don't have my phone, but I'll write it down in the notepad, like an idea and, um, just to get it down. And then if I'm, you know, free at the time, I'll, I like, I enjoy, I don't like typing a computer, um, either handwritten or I'll just like type it out on the um, notepad on my phone. And then I'll just sit with the joke where I heard Seinfeld talk about this years ago. He's like, oh, you have 10 new jokes. Just sit with one, <laughs> just work on one joke, see where you can go with it. And it's amazing what you come up with, you know, is there anything that, that, do you have any like half-baked premises right now? Um, right now? Uh, yeah, I have a few of them written down. Um, no, because like the simplest one, like for me, like the thing that I'm working on, just I'm buying you time right now, is yeah. um, is uh, just as a premise because I don't have it yet because it's just so funny as a premise and it's that my stepson wants to be a ninja, but he also has <laughs> asthma. He told me this. So it's not even a joke yet, right? But the premise itself is funny. That's so funny. sometimes if you're like, oh, I think I think it's something is funny. Sometimes it just could be as simple as that. Like that's what I'm working on right now. I will sit with that over and over and over again and write out different ways to go with that yeah. and then keep bouncing it off maybe in conversation mm -hmm. and then see like where the funny is i think that's that's really funny and especially when you have that gives you such confidence when you have a premise let's say you did that i've, I've watched you you did that joke once on stage because uh, yes. i've heard i think it's really yes they just funny. know the way i've done it now they know the ending because i talk about basically how it we give him i, I don't mind talking about this joke um uh because it's kind of funny because it's kind of real but i just don't like the ending now so okay. It's, um, yeah, he's, he wants to be a ninja, but he has asthma. So, like, I have a conversation with my wife, and I'm like, listen, it's kind of messed up that we're giving this kid a ninja suit. Like, he needs an inhaler. Like, kid's going to die. So we give him the inhaler, take away the ninja suit, but now he catches us being intimate. Oh, God. So now I'm like, get rid of that inhaler. Where's the ninja suit? I, oh, okay. I so that's, I, I like, did. that's a way I can go with that, but that doesn't need to be the joke right now. The premise is locked in. Premise is funny, too. Where I go visual. with that may change. That's yeah. all. I like that way though, like where it, it hurts you at the end. And I think you, I think that's the you did it that way in February at that show, and it worked. It's really funny. it works. Just some people know yeah. where it's going. That's the only problem with yeah, it. Yeah, the um, I just think that's such a funny idea. Like that's one of those jokes where you say the premise and you probably get a laugh, and that's always a great sign when they're like on board already, and you're like, I think all the right. premise is funnier than the joke though. So you kind of well, that that's all. Yeah, that could also happen, but that yeah, that's a so. Good what do you have? What's what is like? Is I anything? Have, I have a, yeah. I just have like a few things written down. Let me um as you can see i know and i'm tr it's so hard because right now it's like you want to you know stay fresh by doing you know some writing but i don't want to write corona jokes because i feel like it's it's got a short shelf life it's going to be way overdone i would you just put those on social media and then they're done anyway. exactly yeah. exactly um so i had um maybe that's the ones you do from home you just do your corona jokes from home maybe yeah it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be timeless like exactly like something like like I was thinking the other day, so my, my day job, which I, I won't talk about because, you know, we're talking about comedy, but like they would have a, um, for remote learning, for like the remote distance working, they would have us um, like sign in in the morning, but like they would like ask us a question. Like it was really weird, like to like prove that we're awake, I guess. So it was like by 830, I answered this question. Dude, I swear. It's like a Netflix, are you still watching? <laughs> yeah. Like that sort of thing? Jokes. Yeah. So it was like, what is your favorite animal? So I was like, a goat and just go back to sleep. <laughs> it's a goat. Okay, you happy? <laughs> no, I'm back asleep. Like, what the, what the hell's going on? It'd be funny if you wrote pizza because, like, right. the last question was, "What was your favorite food?" <laughs> right, right. You're like, it's like so ridiculous. Um, so yeah, something that I have. Um, 
Let's see, a half-baked idea, you say. Oh, so I have this uh, this situation. It was it was a couple of years back with a girl who uh, you know I was dating, and it was like a short time we were dating. It was like three months. We we're both really into each other, and she was gonna move to take a job promotion, and it was like a big promotion. Like she had to do it, and I felt like I couldn't really like chime in too much. Like I want you to stay. Like I just feel like we just started dating, you know. But I feel like there was like mutual, like she was kind of feeling out how I thought about it. Long story short, she ended up, um, it almost seemed like one of those romantic comedies where she was actually going to leave to go to the airport. And I feel like it was, you know, that scene in every romantic comedy when it's always raining. He like drives to the airport, stop. And like they fall in love. Trips over luggage. It falls out. Right. Somebody screams. And you're in love. And and it ends. The credits roll. So I had that, literally had that situation. And I remember like a friend of mine, a female friend was like, you got to make like a grand gesture if you want her to stay. You can't just like stand pat and be like, well, you know, it's better for you. So I literally was like the day she was leaving. I'm like, I could like drive to LaGuardia right now. And like, this is like a, this is a true sincere thought. Like, and, and maybe like stop her. I was like, should I do that, dude? And I looked at the time, and it was 4.30. And I'm like, eh, it's rush hour. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, it could be an hour. I was like, screw true love. I was like, I'll just watch Seinfeld but only, If I don't and, catch her, yeah. And dude, I just didn't even like, <laughs> like, it probably would have been ridiculous if I showed up. But the thought, it was, you know, when stuff starts, it gets, the ninja gets up there. And it's just like, should I stop her? And I'm like, no, rush hour at this time. Are you kidding me? So like, I passed up on true love. And like, I started, so I started to like convince myself that I wasn't that into her. It's like, eh, you know, it's probably just a phase. You know? <laughs> like, what am I doing? So rush hour stopped me. So maybe that could be a good, uh, a good addition to a romantic comedy where the guy just doesn't go. He's like, I'm gonna just gonna go on, on Bumble. It's like so much easier. Well, so that could be the twist, right? So like, he could that movie ends and he has the same thought as you, doesn't go, mm-hmm. and then like, he goes and checks his mail and he falls in love with the postwoman. Right. Just like it could work out anyway. Something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there was one, what was the, oh, 500 Days of Summer, quick thing on a romantic comedy. I was kind of in a way, I liked the ending it, it, when I, well, at first, because I was like, oh, wow, it didn't work out. It's like realistic. Mm-hmm. Then he meets Minka Kelly at the end, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> just at an interview. I'm like, oh, you just met a 10, just and she's on board and recognizes you. I was like, come on. But it actually was a good movie, but anyway. What is the, um, the biggest, um, like your worst, I don't know if you have one of these, but like, whether it's the good side or the bad side of it, just like a heckler in the audience. Like, what was your maybe best, how did you best deal with one? Or what was like just a train wreck where like this guy just took over? I, I always say guy because I feel like there's never like a woman heckler. Yeah. It's not often, right? Yeah, once in a you while. Yeah, you'll, you'll get it. Um, I had a woman, um, I think you're on this show. I, I said uh, the joke was, I, I said, I don't have faith in marriage. That was the premise. And I said, it's because... Um, I, so I was like, basically every time I see like an older married couple out in public that seems like really, really happy, I assume it's not their first marriage. And this woman is just like, that's not true. Like she just like yelled it out. So I had like a little back and forth with her. It wasn't bad. But then it turns out you hosted that show and you told me that it was her second marriage. <laughs> and I was so mad. But I found that out after the show. Like you had done crowd work with her. And I guess she's like, right? oh, this is my husband and blah, blah, blah. And you like came up to me right after. But I didn't really handle it that great. Um, well, no, it's funny because we even had a show. Um, we had a oh, woman one, who actually. was like miserable. It wasn't either. But there was another comic on stage and she was in the front row and she was miserable. And she was like talking back to the comic. And um, 
look, she looked so miserable and offended by what he was saying. He was doing stuff. He was talking about Italians and Jewish people, and she was um, Jewish and Italian. Uh. And she actually, I don't know, whatever she took, she was, in, in the show, she was offended. After the show, she went up to the comic and was like, thank you for tonight. I so needed that. Uh. So she gave the reaction like she was completely insulted, but after the show, she was like, that's exactly what I needed. That's I've been so, going through a hard time. Huh. And like sometimes you deal with that. Is like yeah. you don't even know... Um, yeah, we were we were talking yesterday about like sometimes when you're like maybe working out something funny like you got to do it multiple times to multiple people even if it's not in a club because your your joke you yourself could be funny just that person that you delivered it to right maybe like you know my eight year old son is not gonna laugh at the same thing as my seventy four year old dad right, right so I can't <laughs> just do one on one and say and then now it's not it. funny or right. now it is funny even the other way right I can't even tell one joke and say oh yeah now that's funny yeah yeah that's a t- that's a tough one. Um, I feel like I mean, there's been some situation. There was there wasn't really a heckler, but there was all right. There was one couple. One, it was Atlantic City, and just people, you know, Atlantic City. People were drunk. People losing money. There was a couple that like was sitting in the front, and they were like just talking the whole time, and like that. That's a heckle, also. That's interrupting. It's yeah. a live show, and you could hear it. So the guy was like really drunk, and throughout the show, like throughout my set, I see him getting more drunk, and he's like leaning, and he's like whispering into the girl's ear. So he didn't know that I was locked in on him. And all I was doing was just um, mimicking what he was saying to the girl, to the audience. I was like, yo, baby. I was like, what do you want to do after this? And like, they're laughing and the guy has no idea. And then he's was like. Was that in Briarcliff? No, no, no. That oh. was in um Because you, <laughs> you did that did at Briarcliff too. Oh, really? They, were, they went up to the buffet table or they were getting another oh, drink. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you were just talking to them. And a hundred people knew, were in on the joke, except the two people except at the bar. Them, that's that was right. so funny. Oh, that's right. I was like, oh, the chicken marsala is gone. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That was right before the, the pandemic, I think. Yeah. Um, but what was funny with that guy was, so I was just talking. I was like, hey, baby, I'll take you to the buffet tomorrow. You come back. You know, we'll have a romantic night. And then the guy fell asleep on her shoulder. So I just started going. <laughs> And then the girlfriend started laughing. She's like, babe, wake up, wake up. He's talking about you. It was great. They were like pretty cool. They were just drunk. That wasn't like a heckle, but it was just a situation. I just think I that's handled. great when the, when the audience is a sport about it. Because yeah. we're not, we're obviously trying to make you laugh. I wasn't being malicious. We, we might pick on you, but it's not to make you angry. Right. But it's just to be a part of it. Like exactly. it's, it's an invitation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes you got to watch though, because sometimes you get into the crowd too much and people like get in their head like, oh, we could like talk now. No, no. It's just like. Just talking to this one guy, you know. The last show me and you did, and actually it's the... the that was February, right? The March 5th. Oh, that was March 5th. That's right. That was a week before, like, the lockdown. March 5th, we yeah. had a show. It was me, you, Regina DeChico, and... Um, Tommy O'Regan. Tommy O'Regan. And I'm just always blown away. And I even said it that night. Um, I'm always blown away by Regina. Um, just, I mean, I, I don't know She's how great. she has that much energy all the time. Like, all she time, is not yeah. an act. That's no, that's Regina, basically. That's how she is. She she was our headliner that night. She had to do. Did we tell her to do forty? Yeah, thirty five. I think I think she did. Yeah, stomach. I think she did thirty five. Yeah, I think she did about thirty five. She did thirty three and a half minutes of crowd work. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I'm just like blown away because I think um, as a comedian, if you say, okay, I got to fill about forty minutes, I like to do crowd work. So we were kind of guessing she would do ten minutes of crowd work and then do like a thirty minute set. Right. Right. I think it's just her, sometimes when her crowd work is on, she's so funny. And then you get to a point, like a halfway point, how do you go back to material? You almost have to keep going. Right. And I wonder if she would, uh, if, I, she's not going to remember that show because she does it all the time. I just, like, I like to pick 
the brain apart on that. Like, did you know yeah. you were going to do that the whole time? So I, th- that's what I give her. It's so most. impressive. And I love Regina and I think she's great. And that's what I got um, out of that. I remember watching, um, uh, you hosted, right? Yes. And then it was me. And then I was watching Tommy's set. Tommy was doing great. Tommy's awesome. He, he was killing. And I remember like, kind of watching her and she was just kind of gauging everything. And when she went up, I think she decided like the room needs crowd work at this point. And she went with it. Because me and you and Tommy don't do any really. Yeah, we really didn't do much. I mean, you did some up top because you were hosting. You did a a couple minutes, five minutes, whatever. And then, yeah, we weren't. We were just doing our set. It's like running into a fire. I just, I got in, I got burned and then I ran out. No, you had a good set. That was your first time hosting too, right? Yeah, I thought you did great. And you handled it well. You just handled it like, let's just talk to these people. So she she must have kind of on the fly been like, this is going to be a mostly crowd work show. And, and she killed it. She did amazing, great. That was a, yeah, that was a great show. That was awesome. And they do that annually, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was like right before this all happened. So I'm glad we got that in. Um, so what are you up to now? How many minutes do you have? If you had to do, somebody's like, hey, I need you to headline 45 minutes. You got it? Or So, yeah. Um, I mean, I would just need like a spring training, you yeah. know, but, but yeah, I have it. So interesting enough that you bring that up. So right before the pandemic, um, my good buddy, Dan Altano and I are, we're going to co-headline Caroline's and that's like a big deal, man. That's like one of like the goal one, you know? So how do you sheet. get that? How do you get to Caroline's? So that was, uh, through a recommendation, um, for breakout artists, you need a recommendation. So Eric Newman, um, I contacted the And owner. the recommendation has to come from somebody who's yeah, who also works. headlined at Caroline's? Yeah, who headlines or currently works there, which Eric has done, you know, multiple times. So he put the recommendation in, and I remember it happened so quick, dude. Like, oh, I just got an email one day. Eric didn't even, like, tell us he was doing it. So um, he uh, he reached out, and then all of a sudden there's, like, a group email going, great, send us a clip. I'm like, sent them a clip in, like, four seconds. It was like, sent it i got them on, on the horn yeah. boom all of a sudden it gets back to us like later that afternoon maybe and was like you guys both got it congrats i'm like oh my god like i'm gonna headline caroline's like that's awesome like i used to go there and like watch bill burr like with my dad before i started stand-up this and you awesome. did perform there once but as a and, as a guest or um yeah it was a um yeah it was on eric's show so eric newman had breakout artists where he was headlining he does a you know 45 minute set 40 minute set and i, I did a 10 minute set and that was that was one of your best shows. It was, I think that was the that second best show time. I've ever seen. That's awesome that you say that because a lot of people said that, and I felt um, it was just a good night to have a good night. Good night to have a good night. It was a big stage. I, I didn't get like rattled by it. You know, I felt you know like, Caroline's probably puts three hundred in there. That night there was there was over three hundred. I remember it was like three twenty, three thirty, and I like I felt good, man. That was that was already four years ago, exactly, which is crazy. That was June twenty sixteen. Wow. So four years ago. So I was four years in. So. It was a big show. That was like a nice checkpoint. Like, all right, I could do it with the big crowd, and I felt comfortable. Um, the feedback was good. Um, so, yeah, so now it was like, all right, we're going to headline. So me and Dan are, you know, going back and forth. Kind of like you get to pick your lineup. You know, you pick who you want to um, to host, who you want to feature, whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, it's like, um, hmm, things are closing. Hmm. I'm like, what's going on, you know? So now, obviously, that, and again, there's so many awful things going on. People are out of work. People are you know, losing their lives. It's like, I got to complain. I'm not doing Caroline's. But um, I, I think it's going to be, um, you know, rescheduled. No, for, I will. But if this is like, uh, I think we were listening to something from Burr yesterday. I think he had a special call. What happened to the laughter? Did yeah. he have a special call? I think it was like two specials ago or something. Yeah. Damn. I mean, I know we can't get into a room. But like, I mean, now more than ever, it's just it's I know. like people you started need. this out. I like to make people laugh. Like, right. this would be a great time to like. It, it would be. Um, 
And what it comes down to. I just to, don't know how to do it. Like, it's not, I don't think it's online. You know, you know that experience. You need what, a what crowd. What happens if it's, I know, and the other thing, a lot of people are like, or ideas are outside, but then it's like outside you're losing something too. Outside is tough. Outside but it's better than real tough. It's, it's better than it's online. Better, probably better than online. But yeah, so Caroline, you know, that'll probably be, you know, maybe probably 2021 to be safe. I don't think, because, um, you know, people wouldn't feel comfortable, you know, packing into a room and it's, it, it was going to be next month. So this would be like this right now. If this things were normal, I would be like me and Dan would be going crazy, just running material and getting it tight, yeah. getting the, the segways ready. So unfortunately, that's on hold. But you know, we'll, we'll get another shot. So what is um, the goal? I guess the goal. What do you want? A TV show? What do you? What, do you, what would you like? I mean, is it just to no, do stand up? Could, could you see yourself like one of those? Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm Regan. Like, uh, what is the guy's name Regan? He, all he does is it's like every weekend he's just doing shows. I, w I would just love to do at this point just stand up, just yeah. just a headline, just to travel and just like do if you were on tour living. every like Thursday, Friday, Saturday shows. I mean that sounds exhausting. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, that would be the idea. Yeah, a like TV show. I, I just want to just do stand up. Like I don't want to do really sketches. I don't want to you know be on TV. I want just stand up. Yeah. That's it. Can I just do that? Everybody, yeah. oh, you got to act. I don't want to act. <laughs> Leave me alone. You act. Go act. I don't know what to tell you. But like, yeah, maybe down the road, if the opportunity comes up, I'm not going to turn it down. But right now, yeah, just stand up, man. Just getting better and just do it. The goal is very simply to just have it um, as a career, like just to have this. As and there is a, a pathway to, to make it, to make a living just doing stand up, yeah. like you know of other examples, I guess. Sure. Yeah. And I know some guys who do it, you know, you don't have to be, a, you know, that's the thing too. Like I always thought in my head to do stand up full time, you have to be a multimillionaire. No, nah, you know. You don't have to just make a you know, like make a David living. Tell. He's he's strictly a stand-up guy now, but he had TV yeah. shows. He was in yeah. movies. Yep. So I, I wonder if even him, if he could have just done stand-up and survived. Yeah, and he like why do these guys have. always end up doing TV? Like once they're a certain level, they just it just happens. I, I think yeah, I think they just get offers. You just can't like, say no. I can't say no to that. Like Amy Schumer calls you up. It's like want to be on Trainwreck, and the, you know he was like the homeless guy in the beginning. And like you know how could you pass that up? But that tells a good example. He's a he's a stand-up. Like that's, he's a stand-up guy. That's that's. That's what he wants to do. He's not, you know, doing sketches and, you know, but, um, and he's great. He's one of my favorites. And even when he had that show on Comedy Central, oh, that was great. about his stand up. Oh, it was Insomniac. Great. So it was just him running around doing stand up. <laughs> Get, like drinking in like certain towns. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, it would just be stand up. But yeah, that's the ultimate goal, man, just to, um, you know, get back into the swing of things. Um, you know, like I said, doing some writing right now and, it, it's tough because you're not in the beginning of this thing. I, you think, oh, you have all this time. Right. It doesn't work out that way necessarily. doesn't I, mean you're inspired. I called up uh, Newman. We were talking, I think, in Altano also. And I was like, I just didn't feel inspired to write in the very beginning. You know, it's like, think about it. I'm an observational comic for the most part. I, what am I observing? I'm in Yourself. My, I'm in my apartment. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty lonely. Uh, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you, you know, what could you really do? But now I'm, you know, starting to feel inspired now and, um, even just talking and doing a show like this, you know, the juices start going and, you know, you're getting in that mode. So so let's imagine everything is normal. Yeah. Just sort of recapping this. Sure. Um, for if, if somebody wants to get out started in comedy, just a quick outline. Write something down. Yeah. Find, some, find a comedy tutor. Yeah. I, it, find or, a club that you can visit. Even if it's once, like I go once every couple of months. It's not like some guys stuff. go every week. Some guys yeah. go, let, you know. I, I would, yeah, I would say, and again, I'm, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to say, you know, the comic strip. That's where I came up and it's such a good system. And it was the most supportive mic out of any of them. Like, you know, when you would do it, people, you know, I thought would be very supportive. So I would say do that and just worry about getting your five minutes, you know. Yeah, just for, get a five just minutes. getting that's... your writing down, learn how to structure a joke. And, um, you know, don't worry about the timing and delivery. That's going to come with, um, you know 
getting up and just get a network of friends that's the best way to do it and just have guys comedy to, friends like yeah, real like people to, who are also doing it on there's regular it's insane when you when you have friends that are comedians like for example, Dan Altano, I've known him for five years. I just found out what he did for his day job. <laughs> and then I forgot. That's almost like, like a good me. relationship. He's like, what? he's like, he's like, what do I do for a living? And I'm like, uh, marketing? He's like, nope, not really. I was like, all right. That's um, fun. But yeah, so that, that's it, man. I would say just to get the ball rolling. Just get to a, a mic and start writing. So keep your eyes out for Frank Favia, Caroline, sometime next year, hopefully. Um, yeah, yeah, hopefully next year. Um, go to frankfaviacomedy.com and if you have a vaccine just let's get it I'll put it on the link I know get on that vaccine (laughs) get on the vaccines and get back to living I'm cutting that an hour thanks Frank alright thanks Jeff good stuff man